Hello, my friends. Good day to you. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household, your family are blessed. And we are on the subject of the power of the blood of Jesus. And we are now at point number eight, which is the blood of Jesus gives us peace. The points we have run through so far is the first one was that the blood of Jesus is eternal, pure and holy. The second is the blood of Jesus is the only means of salvation available to man. Point number three was the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Point number four is the blood of Jesus cleanses us continually. Where it says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's a continuous cleansing day and night. And point number, number five is the blood of Jesus justifies us. That because of the blood of Jesus, it justifies us means that God treats us like we have never sinned before. That's total justification. Number six is the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. It purges our conscience. Number seven is that the blood of Jesus makes me righteous. Hallelujah. I hope you also study these things in the scriptures to build up your faith and build up your assurance because it's very, very, very important. You know, one thing I've noticed when I preach in churches is... Uh, uh, when we do the altar calls and sadly, you know, in our Pentecostal circles, many times when you do the, when people do the altar call, it is almost, it seems to me that the whole purpose of the altar call is to get as many people as possible to the altar. Uh, so, you know, it looks powerful in the photos, all these people and the altar. And, and honestly, in many ways, I think it can be counterproductive. Of course, it depends upon what kind of altar call it is. But I mean altar calls for salvation. Because you see, when you do a salvation altar call, and there's only three people uh, in the building who are not saved, and, and then, but you have like 50 people at the altar call, and, uh, and so most of the people at the altar call are already saved, and they come to the altar call for salvation. And if you think of it, the reason they are there is because, you know, they're probably had a bad day or they made some mistake and because of this they begin to doubt whether God really loved them, whether they're really saved. That's why they're, they're there and when they come for that reason, every time they respond to an altar call, it actually undermines their assurance of salvation. So it is very important that in a situation like that, uh, what people need more than an altar call for salvation which can be counterproductive to their faith. They need to be taught so that they can have an assurance in Christ so that they know that I have been saved. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm righteous and I'm justified by the blood of Jesus. These are the things we need to teach people. So preaching is one thing and doing altar calls for sinners is another thing. But when we do altar calls, we all, you know, we, 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 we preach to save people as if they're sinners. What happens every time they respond to an altar call, it's like a man trying to build a house and he's always laying the foundation and he never gets past the foundation. So he never really gets his house built. He spends his whole life answering to altar calls, uh, just trying to come to that place where he knows he's saved. But that is not attained through altar calls, but that is attained through teaching. So there's a place for preaching, but there's also a place for teaching where we teach people these truths to 
uh, strengthen them so we can help them stand on solid ground so that when the altar call is given, even if the guy has a bad day, he'll say, I'm not going to respond to this altar call because praise God, the blood of Jesus has paid for me. I'm already saved. And so that is very, very important. It's very, very important. Now, then it, when it comes to consecration, but consecration should be a very uh, personal thing with God. And that shouldn't uh, be necessarily be, it can be, but it doesn't have to be as a result of an altar call, but it should be something when it's really about a person giving himself and consecrating himself to the purposes of God. And that's a totally different thing. That has nothing to do with the salvation message. And so that, that has its own place, but we should be very careful. And so the reason I'm saying this is about, because if we study the blood of Jesus and we understand why the blood of Jesus was shed for us and the power of the blood of Jesus, then people would understand, wow, I'm actually loved by God. I'm saved and I'm righteous. I'm justified the way I am. God loves me and accepts me. And that is the right kind of foundation that people can build their lives on is the foundation of God's grace and faith put on God's grace and 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 the and the result that comes as a res, uh, as a, you know and uh, uh, consequently is people walking with God walking strong with God praise God anyway the next point is point number 8 the blood of Jesus gives us peace and so i want to read to you from Isaiah chapter <coughs> 52 verse 14 it says uh, is, is, uh, you know, Isaiah 53 is the, is, the, is the famous chapter of the suffering servant. And so Isaiah 52 uh, verse number 14 is the second last, last verse of the, of the previous chapter. Um, it says, for many the servant of God became an object of horror. Many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's and his form beyond that of the sons of men. What he's basically talking about is that when Jesus was, when Pilate handed the soldiers to be Jesus to be scourged, as the gospel says, it says how they, how they tied him up and they whipped him and they whipped him and then they, they, they beat him. You know, they, they took these two by fours, these sticks. The soldiers took sticks and they beat him. And, and, and that's what it means that his face was marred more than any man. And in other words, the face of Jesus, Jesus was uh, disfigured so that he was unrecognizable. If you saw him, his face was black and blue and swollen and bleeding. And it was so disfigured. He was beaten so badly on his face that people wouldn't recognize him. And it says that he was like an object of horror. I mean, his, his, his visage, his face was so horrible, was so terrible to look at that people wouldn't even look at him. They would turn their face away. It, so it's, he was beaten that badly. His face was marred and disfigured and beyond recognition because of the way he was beaten with those sticks that the soldiers took upon their hands. And, and Isaiah 53 verse 5 tells us why he was beaten. And I'm reading the verse to you. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. That means that Jesus, the reason he was beaten that way is so that we can have peace.
If you ask me why Jesus was beaten, he was beaten so that we can have peace. Now, let's go back to the full, the whole of Isaiah 53 verse 5. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. Transgressions, guilt and iniquities actually covers the whole spectrum of what we call sin. Transgressions and iniquities. So our guilt of our sins and our iniquities. And these are the things that made us enemies to God. Enemies, you know, the Bible actually refers to it and calls us when we were his enemies. We were his enemies because we were disobedient to him and uh, we, we went our own way. Uh, and, 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 you know, it says all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's Isaiah 53 verse 6. Uh, um, and so, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we were, we were enemies of God. We were turned away from God. I see. I see on Facebook, on social media, people write things like, uh, I'm an atheist. Now, when you say that, you are making yourself an enemy of God. Or, or when you, you know, you question God, you, uh, pe people do that in the world. They have made themselves enemies of God. When people say, let's tear down statues of Jesus. Now, a statue is a statue. Look, a statue is a piece of stone. It doesn't matter. You could do with it whatever you want. I don't worship statues. I worship the living God. That's the only thing that matters to me. But it shows an attitude of the heart. And there was, there was one man recently, he was the leader of this movement, and he said he wants to tear down statues of Jesus Christ. And I thought I should do a study on this man. What kind of man would want to do such a thing? But it turned out that he used to be a pastor. Can you imagine? He was a pastor, but he left the ministry and then he, he became like an activist. <coughs> and somehow his journey uh, of unbelief and, and godlessness has brought him to the point when he's not at one time he used to preach the word of God. Now he's talking about let's tear down statues of Christ. And they, these are people who make themselves enemies of God. Uh, I mean, they turn themselves against God. No, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. Jesus loves them. Jesus, in fact, told us that we should love our enemies. We should bless them that curse us. So we have to be very careful that if a person is an enemy of God, it doesn't mean uh, that, that, that God hates him. God still loves him. God loves him enough to send his son to die for him. And how should we deal with such people? Jesus has said that we should overcome evil with good. So when people make themselves enemies of God and they stand, you know, it says atheists or whatever, they're against Jesus. And so what we have to do, we have to overcome their evil with our good. And we have to love them. Jesus said we should bless them that curse us. We should, uh, you know, we, we should be good to them. We, we cannot vilify them or become their enemies by attacking them. That's not the way of the cross. So the way of the cross is to love our enemies. But the point is that people have made themselves enemies of God. And when people do that, uh, they need peace. They need peace within themselves. They need peace with God. And, and that kind of thing, that whole thing. So how do, how do these people get peace with themselves? I mean, against the hatred that's burning in their own hearts and the hatred they have towards God and the hatred they have towards Christians to those, because not only people, not only do they hate Jesus, 
hate God, but they also end up hating those who believe in him. So how do you do that? Well, Jesus has paid the price for them that when Pontius Pilate handed him over to the soldiers. The soldiers took these two by fours and beat him up so hard. His face was disfigured beyond recognition. And the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That means that Jesus, uh, that's talking about the cross. When he was upon the cross, God took the sins of all mankind. That is my sins and your sins. I mean, we can point at those sins of those activists who uh, who are saying things against, against Christianity. But remember, don't forget, we were in the same boat as them. We are not better than them. The only, only difference between them and me is Jesus. That's really the only difference because the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So I can point my finger at that activist who said, tear down statues of Jesus. But you know, there's a saying, when you point one finger at somebody else, three of your, these fingers point back at you. And so I am just as guilty as them. And, the, and, the, and Jesus has paid the price for them and for me and for you who are watching this. And the thing is that the only difference between them and you and me is that you and I have accepted Jesus Christ and accepted his sacrifice and they haven't. So somebody needs to teach them, somebody needs to tell them, or somebody just needs to demonstrate that self-giving love of Jesus to them so that their lives can change. And, and the Bible says that love never fails. Love never fails. You know, when we walk in love and we love sinners and we, you know, we can love people like, uh, uh, you know, the, these people, I don't know, politicians and and, and, and people who are sinful, if we can love them, believe me, the Bible promises us that love will never fail. Activism and getting angry and railing out against people, that doesn't change people's lives. That maybe you are just making your point. Yeah, fine. If your life is all about making a political point, you can make your point. You can score some points and get some cheers from other people who think like you. But if you want people to change, if you want sinners to be saved, remember one thing, that love never fails. So what did Jesus do? He loved them so much. It says he was wounded for our transgressions when we were all lost. You, I, and those activists and those communists or whatever, they, we were all lost. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised and beaten for our iniquities. And he says the chastisement that is needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. That means that punishment, that beating that was necessary for people to obtain peace was upon Jesus. So Jesus, he was beaten, he was wounded so that you and I and the people in the world may have peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I can have peace because of Jesus with myself, within myself. And I can have peace with my fellow man. When, when you see, when, when I receive the peace of Jesus, firstly, I have peace within myself. I have peace within my own soul. I have peace with myself. I'm no longer at war with myself. That's the biggest war, the one inside yourself. That's why people uh, hate themselves. They loathe themselves. They, they're suicidal and they, they, they have problems, you know. And somebody said, 
hurt people hurt people. That means people who are hurting on the inside, they hurt others. So what people do to you is often a reflection of what is inside them. And so because they don't have peace within themselves, they are at war within themselves. They are at war with you and with other people. So, but Jesus was beaten. He was beaten with those two by four. So you and I and all mankind, we can have peace first within ourselves. And secondly, we can have peace uh, with other people, our fellow man. So we can come to a place where we don't hate anyone. You know, honestly, honestly, if you look at me, I don't hate Democrats. I don't hate Hillary Clinton. I can't, I can't hate, uh, you know, I, people, people are angry at Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi. Whatever. I don't hate those people. I love them because Jesus died for them. Because, you know, I, do I agree with them? No, I don't. But do I love them? Yes. And so, uh, you know, if you look at politicians, both to the right and to the left, you'll see things in them that are not good. But what do we do? We love them. We pray for them and we bless them in the name of the Lord. We pray that they may be saved. Hallelujah. That's what we do because that's what we are here for as Christians. So, uh, you know, so it says he was beaten that we might have peace. So peace within our own self, peace with other people, uh, our fellow human beings, and peace with God. That's the most important thing. It says Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ made peace for you and me. <coughs> to, he made peace between God and man. Colossians 1.20 talked about Jesus made peace between us and God. It says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. This is amazing. We were the ones who had sinned against God. God did not sin against us, yet he was the one. That's amazing. This is the amazing truth. You know, you know, there's a song which says, and should I, uh, and can it be? It was written by Charles, uh, Charles Wesley, the brother of the famous evangelist John Wesley. Charles Wesley was the one who wrote hundreds of hymns. And he says, and can it be that I can gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his shame, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? This is amazing because you see, it was not God who had offended me. I was the one who had offended from God. God didn't walk away from me. I am the one who walked away from God. God wasn't far from me. I am the one who was far from God. From, from God. You know, I, let me tell you, I, uh, all my life, I spent all my life until the age of 21 and, uh, 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 you know, kind of lost and hurting. And I remember uh, when I went to war, I came back from the war. I was thinking, my goodness, is there a God who even cares for us? I saw many, I saw so much destruction, human lives lost and lives ruined, men blown up. And, and I used to think, I said, dear Lord, if there is a God, does he even care for man? And then I remember when I went to war, I actually went to war to die because my religion taught me if I die in a holy war, I go to heaven. I hated so much myself so much that I was suicidal. I had absolutely zero, nothing to live for. My life was worth nothing. And uh, 
I hated myself and I wanted to die. So from the age of 15, I was suicidal. But the only reason I was afraid to die is because my religion taught me that if I commit suicide, I'll, I'm eternally lost. A person who commits suicide is eternally lost and uh, it's a cardinal sin and there's no forgiveness, there's no mitigating circumstances. So I somehow continued my exist existence because I was so afraid of God. So, uh, but I had no peace with God, with myself. But, but you know what? Uh, I then I, I saw so many horrible things and I, I, I you know, I was coming to this conclusion. I said, there's no ways that God cares for mankind. There's no ways that God, God cares for mankind. There's no ways that God cares for me because if he cared for man, if he cared for me, how would he, how could he allow such terrible carnage and war and destruction to go on? People killing each other, young people at the at the cream of the cream of the youth of the nation at their best age youngsters dying like this slaughtered like this surely you know is there a god who really cares and then about myself look at my situation uh, i i used to go to the mosque seeking god nothing happening does god really care and so i always thought that god had some kind of beef with me and he he really didn't care because I looked at other people who seemed to be doing okay. So I always thought, you know, there's something, something here is I can't say that God doesn't care for anybody. He cares for certain people, but I'm not one of them. And I could never understand what God had against me. But, you know, when I came to Jesus, when somebody told me about Jesus uh, and I understood that Jesus actually loved me and he died for me. That's when, you know, I, I, I begin to look back at my life and I realized that there were times in my life uh, when I should have actually been dead. And, and it, it is because of the mercy of God that I was not dead, but I was alive. Because suddenly as I look back as, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as I look back at my life, I begin to see the hand of God over my life in my darkest situation. In the darkest situations in my life when I felt I was alone, I was lonely and I was forsaken and I was without hope. At that time, God was there. Jesus was there for me, although I didn't know it. I didn't understand it. I knew that he was there, but I saw it after, you know, like in aftersight, hindsight. I look back and I realize, wow, <clears throat> that place, that time, I should have been dead. But Jesus was there. That's why I'm alive today. I mean, there were circumstances when I should have been killed. I should have been dead. But I'm sitting here with today. And I, and, but at that time, I didn't know that God was with me. But later on, I realized that the Lord was with me. And so I began to understand he was with me and he had put his hand upon me and he had saved me for a purpose. And then I'm walking down the street, going to an electric shop to buy something. And I was at that point when I, uh, from, from being a believer in God, I had become like an agnostic, you know, an agnostic in the sense that I didn't really believe. I mean, the part of me believed that there was a God, but there was a part of me that wasn't sure, you know. So I, if you ask me, do you believe in God? I would have said, you know what? 
Some things say to me he's there, but other things say he's not there. So I'm not sure. That's what an agnostic is. He doesn't really know. So I didn't really know. And at that time, I was not really looking for Jesus. I was not looking for God. I had given up on religion and I was angry with God because of all the things that had happened to me and had happened around me. And I thought God was against me. If he was there, he was against me. And then somebody, I met this Englishman on the street and he began to say to me, uh, he began to tell me about Jesus. And that was the first time anyone in my life had ever told me that Jesus Christ could come into my life and live in me. And he said, if you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, he's going to set you free. And nobody had ever told me this before because I had heard that there was a man called Jesus and he was like a prophet for the Christians. But I didn't know that he had died for me on the cross and what he had done for me. And so when he, when he began to talk about Jesus, all I can say intellectually, I was still at that place where I was against God, against religion. I didn't care or I didn't know or God hated me. And I didn't, you know, I was angry. But when he began to talk about Jesus, it was like something got me. You know, sometimes some, something just gets you. It surpasses your understanding. It gets your heart. And that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you. It is something beyond the human intellect. When God grips your heart and, and the Holy Spirit is telling you, you must be saved. And that's when I felt something grip me. And I thought, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. And then the man said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? I said, yes. So I remember I closed my eyes and he led me in a prayer. And I remember when I opened my eyes, when I said, amen, I opened my eyes and there were two things. Firstly, I felt like a huge burden, a huge rock I had been carrying for all my life had suddenly been taken off me. And the second thing was that my life had always been in black and white and it was suddenly in color. And I, I was laughing and I was rejoicing and singing. It changed my life. And for the first time in my life, I began to tell people, I said, you know what? Jesus loves me. So people ask me, have you become a Christian? And my friend, because, you know, my, we used to run around, do a lot of dirty things, a lot of bad things, us guys. And so one day, uh, actually the same evening, my friend said, come on, let's go out, have a good time. I said, I can't. And I said, I can't. He said, why not? I said, I don't feel like it. He said, are you sick? I said, no, I'm not sick. He said, man, you're always want to join with us when we party. Why don't I said, I don't know. He said, what has happened to you? I, he was really concerned. I said, you know, I met a man. He told me about Jesus Christ and I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. He said, have you become a Christian? He was horrified. I said, I don't know if I've become a Christian. I have just received Jesus in my heart and it seems to me he lives in my heart. And for the first time in my life, I have peace and God is not against me and I'm not against him and Jesus loves me. I feel the love of God and the acceptance of God like I've never felt before. I don't know whether I'm a Christian. And uh, I said, you know, Jesus is one of the prophets we believe in. And so I don't know. I really didn't know whether I had become a Christian. You know, I found it out later that I had. But anyway, but the thing is that having made blood peace through the blood of his cross, that Jesus shed his blood upon the cross. And when I met him, you know, 
it was because he instead of me going to the cross and paying the price for my rebellion against him remember I was the one who had offended him. He was not the one who had offended me. I was the one who had done wrong. So instead of telling me to pay the price so that he could accept me, because he knew that the price was too high for me to pay, I would have to pay with my life. I would have to go into eternal damnation. He went to the cross for me. He was beaten and he was wounded and he went to the cross and bore my sins and but before he went to the cross he was whipped and beaten bearing all my infirmities on himself and his face was disfigured beyond recognition and covered with blood and they spat upon him covered with the spit of sinners he went to the cross and he made peace between me and him through the blood of his cross Oh, glory to his holy name. I'm so grateful that Jesus paid the price because I could not pay it. He paid the price for you who are watching me. He paid the price for me so that today I have peace with God. Hallelujah. I can sit here and tell you, you know what? Jesus has nothing against me. He loves me. He accepts me. He has given me his righteousness. He has justified me, justified me and he calls me his own. And I have peace today because he was beaten that I might have peace. And he made peace upon the cross with his own blood. And he drew me to himself. Hallelujah. He drew me to himself. Glory to his holy name. Well, we will continue the subject tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Father, I pray that uh, if there's anybody who has a, is this lack of peace with God or they feel their life is not worth living, I know it is a lie from the devil because you have made peace for all of us through the blood that you shed at Calvary. I thank you for salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for life. And I pray, Father, flood every heart with peace. Now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow.